0: Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Yes Sir Nature. As usual, my name is Mark and I am with... You're still with me, mate, Dennis, here in Jersey Channel Islands. Is it sunny? Apparently there's a heat wave going around.
1: (laughs) Well, not yet. In fact, it's almost January
0: weather again. The last two
1: days, rain, it's cold. I've actually got a jumper on as I'm sitting in my office now at the moment and I've actually got a jumper on. So um, <laughs> pretty grim. We have three days in England where it's like 24 degrees, and the news is full of extreme weather and people are in hospital. And what are we going to do? And then, um, and then within a couple of days, we're back to uh, February weather again. So there we go. But that's it. That's uh, UK weather for you. It's <laughs> not like Singapore, mate. 26 to 33 every day. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: ready to dig so, in. Yeah, ready to dig in. So, today we're going to do something special, something different. Uh, I just thought that maybe we can do a bit of future casting. We have talked yeah. a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, chat, GPT, AI, and why is it important and so forth. So, I think what we want to look at is, uh, can we use, or just the concept or the, the context to this, is it possible that, can we use generative AI tools like ChatGPT to see if we can design and create a personal tutor for student learning? Uh, And I think uh, this could be potentially groundbreaking because I've tried experiments with it and I I can describe my story in a bit, but I I wanted to set the context clearly. Uh, I think that if we can somehow crack the code on this, we can actually create personal tutors that can help uh, teachers with differentiated instruction, help students be more efficient in their learning, and I think we can actually now frame the concept or the holy grail of personalised learning not as a far-fetched concept, but something that can actually be done. So before we jump into the specific questions, uh, I wanted to do this topic because uh, it has a personal interest to me. Uh, and we are going to do it by also bringing in uh, evidence-based concepts and principles that we've been talking about throughout the podcast. So I'm going to get your your brief thoughts on this before we jump into the questions. What do you think? Possibility, hogwash, or rubbish? Well, um, it's certainly a big possibility.
1: I would say, an a probability, <laughs> it certainly is not hogwash. And I think I, I've kind of modelled through this thinking process when you said we were doing this podcast. And there are some exciting possibilities, but there's <coughs> some challenges
0: to the teaching profession. Right. Okay. Uh, sorry, can you can you repeat that? Because I have been a cough uh, that I brought back from Norway, and I have to just cough <laughs> right in the precise moment that you said it. Do you still smell of kippers? That's the big question if you've been to Norway. <laughs> I mean, Norway is a fabulous
1: country, and... Um, but the big joke is if you spend a long time uh, walking the streets of Oslo that you end up smelling like kippers. it's probably one of those urban myths that's perpetuated by the fish.
0: it it is it is because I did not see or smell anybody that smelled like fish yeah so sorry could you could you say that again and I I apologize Uh, uh, and I apologize for the coughing because uh as yes, and when I can, probably how how to you get a
1: cold in sync? I, was <laughs> 30, no, I got it in years. Norway I never got Oh, sorry cuz you, oh, well, you would wouldn't yeah. You? yeah 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 okay so yeah that explains it um yeah. okay yeah The no, basic point is now there's an high probability uh, of what you said being the case and um I, I've modeled through the um the thinking process on what could happen in terms of creating personal tutors for students. And it's going to present some very significant challenges to the teaching profession because it could be
0: the end of educational Jurassic Park once and for all. Well, uh, that's a big statement to make. So what do you mean when you say it could be the end of uh, educational Jurassic Park?
1: Well, um, as you know, um, you, know you, you have been in teaching as long as me. Before you remind me that you are significantly younger. Um, but then again, you're afflicted with the kind of nemesis of supporting Manchester United.
0: Aren't you? But anyway, to
1: continue with the podcast, uh, the, the, the kind of thing is that if you look at teaching, it seems to go through this periodic Every five, maybe 10 years of radical reframing, it goes from the traditional notion, students should be sitting quietly, teachers are delivering instruction and then it all changes <coughs> yeah. and it's progressive education the teacher now is no longer the sage on the stage but the guide on the side and all of this radical reframing as you know which i've written extensive, extensively on doesn't convince people that teaching is a real profession like engineering medicine that you know as a very strong scientific evidence base you, you know you're not going to go to the doctors now and the doctor's going to start pulling out leeches and um kind of um, doing strange kind of ceremonies to see how they're going to treat you it's going to be dna testing mri scans etc etc so there is going to be a real revolution in teaching now and uh, we we said that 20 30 years ago even in singapore you know with online learning you know this is going to revolutionize teaching i knew it wasn't for a number of reasons one is that the technology wasn't sufficiently developed it was too slow and cumbersome and it was not going to be it wasn't certainly wasn't user-friendly um, but now we have got a revolution on our end and this is this is for real
0: okay so with that uh and i think if this is for real then let's really get the elephant out of the room and let's jump straight into the discussion uh i'm pretty sure there'll be listeners who are listening to this going oh no ai is going to take over our jobs first it was use of tech first it was Phasing out of uh, old technology, now new technology. Everybody starts to use PowerPoints. Everybody needs to record their lectures. I won't have a job anymore. That proves to be false. But now this really seems like this is going to be the terminator for all teachers. Is this true? What do you think? Uh Well,
1: it's going to be the terminator for some. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certain of that. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I, I mean, if you take, you know, we had a, a discussion on AI a while back, and yeah. if you look at the the top so-called experts and futurists, uh, you've got everything <coughs> from, from um, um, Richard Orking, you know, said that AI could erode the end of humanity. Now, um, you know, you've got this kind of, he said could, right? You've got others who are saying it will, that essentially the machines will take over and Technically, if they develop this AI super intelligence, which is possibly being sentient, this is all theoretical. Uh, with the distributed intelligence, uh, I, I will add, because they can just pass information from machine to machine. Whereas for us as humans, we 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 have to learn it ourselves. So theoretically, um, if they did develop some super consciousness, that they could decide to say, well, "Look, these humans." They, <coughs> Terminating, so um, theoretically it could do. Um, I don't think it's going to come to that just yet, and it may never come to that. Equally, you've got others on the other side that said this is going to liberate us from work, and we can all be in a leisure society. We're going to live longer. We're going to be healthier, and we can guarantee everybody universal income, etc., etc., etc. So you've got a big um, spectrum to play. The reality is it could it could oscillate between those two extremes. It, it could go to one or the other. Um, but anyway, let's work on the assumption for the next two or three years, we're gonna be playing around with this and uh, we'll see where it goes, right? Um, yep. In terms of teaching, let's look at it. If, if you look at education sector by sector, I don't think people be comfortable with their kids in a kindergarten or a primary school with robots and technology tools supervising them they're not going to be comfortable with that right um secondary education i think we can have a really interesting um debate on that now when it comes to higher education that's where it could be most um, draconian in terms of employment, because quite simply, a lot of higher education is lecture based. Lecturers are going in and sometimes um, it's a kind of secondary thing to uh, their research. So them going in and showing a few PowerPoint slides and giving a bit of a lecture, um, I think that's over. So what that basically means is that in higher education, there could be a massive reduction in teaching personnel in the traditional sense of teaching now will there still be people doing some lectures will there be people designing materials and facilitating yes but i can see a significant reduction in um, um higher education for um lecturing staff i think that's not unreasonable in fact martin Ford reckons it could be um quite devastating uh, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting because more and more people are going to be trying to get Uh, um, higher educational qualifications but there'd be less work once they get those qualifications and the people in the industry will be struggling for their jobs so there is a bit of a dangerous end game there I think. Secondary education I think what's going to happen is that there will be some symbiosis of teachers using the technology thoughtfully perhaps reducing aspects of their workload. And this will depend on management decisions and many other things. But I do think um, there are some good possibilities for good things to happen.
0: Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back to your point that caught my attention just now. was, uh, You know, some people who think that, oh, with the invent of AI, we are going into a leisure society. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think the technology or the AI is so smart that it is right now directly able to take over a teacher's job. Uh, I would rather think AI as a teaching assistant rather than as the teacher itself. So, let me explain. So, I think the teaching, uh, one of the things that I think we have problems with is we have too many students in the class all clamoring for attention. And it's almost impossible for us to give each and everyone individualized attention. Uh, kudos to the teacher who can, but if you have a class of 40, especially in a secondary school in Singapore, it is almost impossible. So, what if you use AI as an assistant to not necessarily take over your teaching, but to provide the scaffolding, to provide the feedback, to provide the support to help the child who is struggling move to the next stage while the lecturer has oversight of where everything is happening and then? paying more individualized attention to students who really need it, rather than, you know, everybody who, especially even the so-called smart student, wants the teacher's attention. So if we frame that as the basis for having an AI tutor, uh, is that a good enough uh, reason to satisfy both camps that you just described?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because we certainly know Look. that um to give fully... Um, personalized instruction is 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 un- unless you're going to employ more and more teachers, and that is exactly. Enough. And oh. certainly, oh. Uh, if anything, we're going to have to kind of cut down on um, um, funding, etc. So that isn't going to happen. So it's a question of how do how can we use uh, AI, things like chat ChatGPT and related customized tools like that to specific subjects to take the pressure off of teachers in some way and also cater for a more differentiated group of learners so that is the challenge um it's a question of the methodology the pedagogy and the skill sets involved in setting up that learning environment and for teachers to be able to manage that there's a number of things i think that need to be put into place and that's what we're going to look at so you know we we can share our own experiences here. me and okay. you more than 100 years of teaching and learning experience i think yeah um and you know we we, we do a lot of research and, um, <coughs> yeah. we explore these things in some detail um i think um let's see where we can go with this then
0: okay so let's let's then now look into our crystal ball uh and if we were given the task or the money to go and say, okay, so let's go and design a personal tutor. Uh, and let's say we were to use chat GPT as one. Uh, and I am going to issue you a challenge because I know uh, this was something that I, I've always wanted to do. So I'm literally dropping you in dropping you in. cold. Is how can we make use of uh, evidence-based principles of teaching and learning that we've been talking about for the longest time, to use it to design what I would call the ultimate AI tool, just as the Dutch played total football, what would be a total AI teaching assistant that can help a teacher in a classroom? So finally. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's use the analogy. We are old enough. Certainly, me. I actually did see the Dutch side, Joanne Cruyff and Nieskens and Brink, actually play... Uh, and the basic idea is, look, let's ask ourselves a question. Before we know what we want people to do, we yeah. must actually define what it is that we want. If you look at total football, you know, people have said to me, this Dutch side, total football, what does that mean? Well, the concept was this, in the Dutch side, was that all of the footballers were actually technically good at all of the footballing skills to a varying degree, which meant that the defenders were not just guys or if I go back to the 1960s and maybe 70s, the basic idea of a defender was that when the ball comes near you, you get it and you boot it long or you boot it out and perhaps even kick someone and um, or give it to somebody else. It wasn't to go forward to play one, two passes and, and score goals unless it was from a corner. And It was like that, whereas with the Dutch the idea was that everybody in the side could play some decent... Football. Football. So if you're moving forward, you move forward as an entity. So the, the, the full-backs could be um, part um, moving through, knocking good crosses in, playing one-twos, and could also shoot. And equally, the, the forwards could defend and add, and add good tackling skills and could read good defensive positions. So that was the concept of total football. Now, if we take that analogy and we apply it here, a couple of things have got to happen, haven't they? Yeah. If we want um, an intelligent tutoring system, right? So, Chat GT, GPT is basically pretty intelligent in the sense you ask it questions, and the big point is it comes back. Yeah. And if you then ask it another one, it will focus. So, exactly. it's processing what you're saying and <coughs> refining exactly. it. So, it has to be programmed to um, have itself a pedagogic framework. Now, what that would mean is this, right? That if we take evidence-based teaching and let's take some core principles of learning, right? Now, one core principle of learning is that it really helps learning if teachers activate prior knowledge, right? Exactly. To see yep. what they already know and yep. then reacts to that. In other words, the reaction should be to find out what students don't know and what misconceptions are, etc., and then deal with them, right? Yeah. So If you've got your chat GPT program that when it comes on and the student goes, oh, I've got to learn quadratic equations, I don't know what it is, I can't do it. um, Then that the the student then speaks to chat, chat GPT. Now, equally, we'll say a little bit later, the students have got to know something about how to master their own learning process. So let's leave that in the bin. So I'm a student. I've got to do the quadratic equations. I can't do it. And I say to Chat GPT, I need <coughs> to learn how to do quadratic equations. Now, Chat GPT. And I think there's other things. When we start to make it more humanized, it says, oh, never mind, Dennis. Right. It knows your name. Right, never mind, Dennis. Okay, you know, I understand your concern. Well, what do you actually know about quadratic equations? So, when asked that question, and then Dennis types in whatever it is, E in my case, knows I don't know. I might even say, I don't know what it is, what it looks like, uh, and how to do it. So, yeah. then the chat GPT can process that and then respond accordingly. Now, given that these things, have such capability, that chat GPT can then say, oh, you know this. Well, you understand that this works like this. Uh, And here's a couple of examples just to check. Now, Now, what you don't seem to know is how you move the brackets and the square into this, and how you factorize. And then it can say to you, do you know what factorization means? I might say, well, not really. And then it can explain that and show it. So the idea is it's activating what you know and then feeding you in the specific bits with actual examples and illustration and then you just interact with it. So that's such a powerful principle. Now you take a second one that we might say there that we know that if, if, if students can think better and can engage in the key concepts together, that's two big core principles, isn't it? Key concepts, good thinking. So the chat GPT knows this, and then it can then say, okay, we've just looked at this, Dennis. Here's a couple of examples for you to try out. So you do them, and if it gets it right, it says, Dennis, great, you're able now to do this, but you missed this bit here. Here's a couple of examples, and um is an explanation of how these examples work. So it's it will naturally focus on the key concepts that are fundamental to understanding, and it understands concepts like analysis, compare and contrast, inference and interpretation and evaluation. So the GPT must have these core principles programmed in as the modus operandi, right? Okay. Okay. And it would it would be the same thing for any core principle. For example, we know that learning styles, that was a two billion dollar industry, was you know, was just a total waste of time. It wasn't founded in any evidence base, and John Atty, um saved people a lot of misery, and it saved me from getting pounded at conferences when I used to say it was really. Um, of no value educationally and the time when people thought it was oh you know an holy grail if we just teach the um, learning styles students are going to learn better but that's not the case but what we do know is that variation of um, medium and mode is good for facilitating learning so what chat gp can do and what it will be able to do with other tools and certainly future versions it will be able to show short videos it will be able to show animations <coughs> and yeah. it can pose critical questions saying to so dennis dennis look at this and look at that What's the difference between these things? So it will get me making inference doing compare and contrast, making inference and interpretations. So it can it can model analysis, it can show you how things work, like equations or fixing things. It can also then show you examples and non-examples and get you to do some thinking. So chat GPT will be using a model of thinking and The student will also know that they need to ask, well, how does this work? Well, what's different? Can you give me some more examples? What are the criteria? How does this work? So it's developing this language of learning that we know is so central to good learning that is programmed into the machine and the student. So this is where the teaching role would change because teachers have got to teach students how to think so that they can ask thinking questions. They don't say, well, um, what do I do next necessarily? Um, Only once they actually know something. So it will get the students to say, right, this is what I can now do um I, I don't think i can move from this part of the equation to that then say what can i connect and then yep. chat will say you can do this here's a video here are some examples have a look at this and then and then communicate with me you know communicate back with me now is the real spin that i like yeah uh we know that a core principle of learning is one in which there is a psychological climate that is success orientated and fun right yep. so We know that uh, technology can provide feedback in real time. So as I'm doing my stuff and I'm getting things right, chat GPT can come in and say, oh, great, Dennis, that's right. Great. Now move on, do this example and come back to me. Unlike in the classroom, where you've got a lot of teachers um, who have got to deal with lots of student answers and maybe can't do it, and some students being reticent to ask questions, you've got that perfect example of assessment and feedback being properly built into the learning process so chat gpt will recognize what you don't know is it understanding the task is it that you're not making doing doing the right thinking you're not making the right connections, and also to be encouraging say come on dennis you're doing well don't get disheartened yeah a bit of perseverance have a look at this video maybe go and have a cup of coffee now and come back in 10 minutes and so it can be very um positive and it can give you great feedback. And you, I would also, if I was doing, I'd build in a bit of humor. And if ChatGTP is recognising the kind of linguistic styles of the person, it can actually probably dip in and make use linguistic terms. If you've got someone who constantly says, "Oh, um, what's the sketchier? What's the sketchier?" then you give them a little bit more of. Um, pictorial stuff that that isn't learning styles but it's catering to kind of linguistic preferences it's not learning styles at the end of the day the student has got to connect um the new information to existing information and do the retrieval practice and deliberate practice in order to develop understanding so i, I you know that that is well doable with the ai tools but it does mean that it it must be programmed with that pedagogic literacy built in it to ask the right questions at the right time. And students have got to understand key aspects of the learning process. What students won't need to do is to be listening to long lectures with content knowledge because ChatGPT will do that instantaneously. So that's really the, the you know, the um, the only grail, if you like, or as near to it, is the chat GPT is designed to work in that way and students are taught to be able to respond and ask questions that um, help them to think better. So,
0: yeah, that's it. Okay, so that's quite comprehensive. So uh, I just want to uh, make two points. One is, uh, okay, when you say it needs to be programmed to be pedagogically literate, what if I tell you right now that it is already pedagogically literate? And what do I mean? Uh, not many people actually know this. And one of the bigger problems that when we try to, for want of a better word, program uh, chat gpt to become a personal tutor, I think the the challenge for most teachers and for educators would be is how do you write good enough prompts so that they can actually be the personal tutor that it is supposed to be. Teachers writing prompts is one thing, students writing prompts is another. Now what do I mean when I say ChatGPT GPT is already pedagogically literate? Uh, you can actually ask chat GPT to play the role of a teacher teaching mathematics up to whatever level that you want. And ChatGPT GPT is able to do that. Now I'm going to give you my version of where I think the AI uh, can can uh, come in as a personal tutor Uh, and I'm going to combine a few of the uh, core principles number one is the learning outcomes needs to be presented that's one number two deliberate practice and number three the idea about formative assessment so imagine if a a student is struggling uh, for whatever reason with a concept let's say it's uh, a concept that's got to do with uh, statistics whereas the rest of the class is already moving forward. But you can't leave this one student behind and in normal situations, he will just have to make do and then try and do a catch-up or at the end, wait behind the class and then you try and do some miraculous uh, catch-up work for the student. Now, you can actually tell CHAT GPT, provide CHAT GPT with the intended learning outcomes, tell it to act as if it's an expert statistician and it can, by the way, And then ask ChatGPT to generate a series of questions starting from basic level based on the learning outcomes and for it to continually provide exercises uh, to the student and if the student gets it right, to give feedback on how they got it right and if they got it wrong, to give feedback and hints on what they should be looking at and then progressively providing more difficult questions until they are able to reach the intended learning outcome. How cool is that? Yeah, well, if it can do that, but
1: um, it would have to still know what the core principles of learning are. Now, if it if that is in the system, what we do know with GPT at the yeah. moment is if you go into it and you ask it to come up with research and that it comes up yeah. with stuff, but often it's not actually accurate. So, yeah. yeah. That stuff would have to yeah, I mean it theoretically it, it should be able to do that quite comfortably. But if yeah. it's not actually if it says what is pedagogic literacy and it comes up with stuff that really is um, not really evidence based, uh, but has been but it's been floating around from the days of constructivism, then it could well be not uh, as crispy as we would like.
0: Okay, remember so for
1: yeah. Sort they can, but there yeah. are other paradigms that um, are not quite
0: um, as, sure. I would argue, so, specifically um, useful. So you can actually tell ChatGPT when giving the answers or when generating the questions to adopt a evidence-based approach. And it can do that. Now, you must understand also that current the current free version that we are using is probably not the best tool. But if we use ChatGPT 4.0, it actually is able to make references to the internet, which means its knowledge base is going to be current. Yeah, so that's, it's the big, that's the big change. Yeah, exactly. Now, the one to answer the question about it needs to learn about pedagogic literacy, actually, as long as it has access to the internet, more likely than not, it is able to pick that up. Now, what I'm, how am I going to address that answer uh, question is, the pedagogy literacy has to be embedded within the prompts that the teacher writes for the students. So you are telling CHAT-GPT to behave in the way that you want CHAT-GPT to behave. So to prevent possibilities of misunderstanding and providing wrong information. Now, having said that, I think it's a caution. There is no such thing as 100% accuracy at this point in time. Okay, so I think we need to be aware of this. Now, I'm going to share with you one quick way I'm using this as a personal tutor for my students, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it, because yeah. I did say that we should be writing a paper on it. Okay, so uh, I'm, currently, yeah, I'm currently teaching a, a module called Sustainable Innovation Project, uh, which uses design thinking as the basis for the students to generate ideas and then create prototypes to solve a wicked problem. Now, one of the things that they need to do is conduct an empathy study. To conduct an empathy study, they actually have to generate interview questions for a primary user that they have identified. Now, one of the pain points that I found out is students are generally quite bad at generating good, inter- deep good deep, uh, interview questions because they have absolutely no context and they have never done it before. Now, I used to spend a lot of time in, uh, in a very painful manner to go through each and every question and asking the students write one question is almost like squeezing blood from a stone. Okay, that's how bad it was. Now, what I come up with is, then I've actually tried this in class, I've asked them to write a profile of the primary user that they're intending to uh, interview, provide the project statement to chat GPT, and, then as a, and, and really honestly, it just started off as an experiment. Ask ChatGPT to generate at least 10 interview questions for the empathy study and you won't believe it then. It came up with the questions in less than 30 seconds and it used to take me five hours just to get two, two questions out from them. Now, of course, every teacher will be thinking, oh my God, that's so good, and, uh, rejoice. No, I think this is where we need to play the value at and that's what you brought up earlier and that is, we now need to make sure that students can make the inference, students can compare and contrast, students can actually critically assess the questions generated by ChatGPT. What do you think of that? Absolutely, that that is spot
1: on because it's a little bit like kind of um, yeah an example that I've kind of used with um, technology in in. In the olden days in England if you wanted to be a taxi driver you had to do the knowledge and that could take 2 3 years you had to know every street in London now you imagine you're on a motorcycle driving through London looking at street street sorry looking at street names and having to put these in your long term memory um last week I went over um to see um my grandson and um, jade was driving because that's my wife because she's a better driver than me and um, so uh, i let her get on with that but we had a sat nap um and literally uh, it was a breeze we picked up the car at southampton airport and it's so concise now some of the in the past when they had guides it was confusing but they've got it down now to the tone of voice the timing's right and you know they say there's, there's a junction coming up it's about 100 yards and it's the second turning on the left and it will have a sign that says winchester and you go down there and continue and it was a breeze we went from southampton um up to oxford and it was so easy now In the olden days, um, we'd have to get maps out and look at them. And very often, the reality doesn't look like the map. It was a breeze. So uh, if you you apply that principle, what students are now doing, instead of having to do all the legwork to find the the knowledge, um, GPT will do that and so will other technology tools. But to get them to really be able to make those fine decisions do we go this way or do we go that way and uh, it makes <coughs> it makes uh, learning much more efficient that's the important thing they've still got to do the cognitive work but they don't have to kind of add loads of maps out to find the way what they're going to do is decide well what is the best way so yeah
0: and um, that's perfect that's really good okay so, I, I, and I did say a little bit about, oh, then now our role is not so much about helping them generate these questions, but helping them to critically assess, make inference, and then also compare and contrast. So, let's say if this were to really take off, how do you see the role of the teacher evolving? So, let's make this clear. You will not lose your jobs, but you definitely will need to change. If not, you are going to be terminated. By the yeah. Terminator. So what would this role change uh, involve then? What would it look like, actually? Actually, I did come mean, in my way. It actually
1: says that now, actually, given that the brain Well. Large part, you know, and, um, um, definitive work on thinking fast and thinking slow. We can now make sure yeah. that students really develop an eye level of competence in those critical thinking skills. But what we can also do, which some writers are saying, you know, we talk about students having mental health issues and identity issues and communication. Mm-hmm. And that's... curriculum not... Up as of window. window and knowledge in students to understand themselves better, to be more an entity. Uh, we all suffer to some extent. Bring this fact into living this VUCA world. You've got to develop resilience. You've got to try and understand yourself. It really helps if you communicate with well with people as. As Chris Hemsworth, as James Hunt in the film Drive said, it really helps if people like you. Uh, and, you know, there's a big <laughs>
0: issue.
1: You know, if people can spend more time looking at themselves, understanding other people, you know, social, you know, social intelligence, emotional intelligence. And generally, you know, focusing on trying to be a bit kinder, a bit more gracious and um that kind of thing, developing more, you know, collective intelligence and identity, all of these kind of things that seem not to get into the creed, apart from when they're kind of thrown out as political correctness I don't think really works. Um, um, I think we can concentrate more on making people more human and that could... Apart from if so, if we can get people that are better thinkers, have a better sense of human understanding, the good, the bad and the ugly, and how to manage themselves better and how to work <coughs> in the community. And now yes. we've got a better chance of dealing with these global concerns, because if you've got more people understanding, you know, the basis of... Why are we having wars? Why are we spending millions of dollars still killing each other? Why are we destroying the planet? Well, it's to do with a lack of collective better thinking. So I do think there's some <coughs> areas of the curriculum that are increasingly important that, that can now be focused on, and that's why you know we we talk about having you know creative te- creative teachers who are strong in evidence-based teaching and are committed to teaching will get. Better outcomes with students in terms of (coughs) maybe their effective components as well, who in turn collectively um, may hold people in positions of responsibility. You know, it goes back to the Paolo Freire thing to some extent, holding people um, responsible for what's going on. And hopefully that could lead to better global decisions. Obviously, you know, that's a utopian kind of notion, but it's better than the dystopia. Dystopian idea of us blowing the planet up, destroying the environment, and killing it—you know, <laughs> killing humanity. So um, I think I think there's a big, big, um, yeah, positive educational direction now. If. It happens. And what will happen is some teachers will do it. Some institutions with good management and good teachers will go that way. And hopefully um, you know, you get a critical mass across societies and across the world. I mean, it's... What are the options? Just, you know, be nihilistic and, you know, it, doom, doom, doom is coming and, you know, let's all get drunk sort of thing,
0: you know, kind of. <laughs> not <laughs> really, uh, you know, kind of... It's not like life, the rest of yeah. your life. So... While well, we have looked at the positives, we have looked at how we can possibly do, uh, we can possibly use it, and it sounds exciting, but I think there's also maybe the other side of the coin that we need to address. What could be some potential issues if we were to do this? Oh, well, what do you think? I mean, right we don't... Back at you, I, you know, what yeah. do you see is that, I mean, I can see a few, but, you know,
1: just to keep you on your toes, like you keep me on my toes, yeah. and that's why we do this podcast, because it's spontaneous, it's natural. Yeah. And um, you know, we we you know we, we it's like a co- it's like a conversation in the coffee shop in Singapore with nice weather and some chicken
0: wings, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> I do yeah. miss so, the coffee shops. Anyway, so go on. Yeah. So you're asking me, right? So what yeah. I think would be okay. So what I would think would be is at the end of the day, uh it could be some uh, it could be possibility or some ethical issues. Uh and that is uh you know, uh, how do you know that the students are learning, for one of a better word, the correct things? Or is AI not taking from proper sources? That's another, that's another possibility. What if it was taking from sources which are not validated or not verified? That's one possibility. And the other one that I think most people would be upset about would be is, are we shortchanging our students if we use AI instead of human beings? So these are just the first two that are just uh, immediately at the top of my mind.
1: Okay, well, let's take the short change one. Well, if yeah. teachers are not going to be redundant, they're still going to be there. It's just that they're going to be in a more kind of meta role, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, and also perhaps have to take more responsibility for things like assessment. Now, as far as this kind of uh, learning um, goes and assessment, we've got to move away from assessment that uh, <clears throat> is less authentic that we get students to do tasks under perhaps exam conditions or certainly control conditions where they can show that they do have deep understanding and have competence across a range of situations so we have less of this assessment i think you know if i'm talking about the british educational system there's so much assessment But when kids are leaving school, employers are saying they don't have fundamental skills. So something's going wrong. And what's going wrong is that um, it's a little bit like, you know, a story that I've told many times is that you can watch people play tennis for years. But if they haven't got the basic techniques and understanding, all they get good at is playing the game badly. So I think, you know, the old curriculum, this is the opportunity now to cut a lot of the content out the curriculum focus on key concepts that are fundamental to understanding get students thinking better get students to be more to have more personalized learning not just at the cognitive level but at the effective level and let's try to get people to have more resilience and recognize that you've got to work hard and take responsibility i mean in Look at British society. There's too much of rights and entitlement, and and all of this stuff. People have got to recognise that to be good at learning. A Jack, chip, Jack, teepee, uh, Jack, T P, Jack gpt doesn't do the learning it puts the information there in ways that can help you learn more efficiently and less painfully but you've still got to do the go through the pain of looking at it looking at stuff doing the thinking comparing and contrasting. in fact you've got to be more meticulous i think if you're going to really be a good learner and that's what we want when we talk about um looking at, you know, what is real and what is not. If we're training people to think consistently well with a lot of deliberate practice and making people really uh, do this properly, not just, oh, well, it looks okay, um, then hopefully that won't be a problem because they will find out. They will say, hold on a minute, this is being presented as reality. This is, you know, it's like this thing about dieting, isn't it? I mean, if you if you go on YouTube and watch 100 videos, you, you'll get everything from, um, you know, Jordan Peterson and saying, I live, I eat just uh, beef and I've been super healthy to other people say, oh, don't eat red meat because you'll get cancer. Well, someone's wrong somewhere, aren't they? <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we could have an old series on just looking at kind of, uh, can we apply evidence-based um, principles to dieting? Uh, and, and I'm not surprised people are confused. Um, yeah. So um, this is an opportunity to get more people thinking critically and realizing that you've got to do this thinking process really well if you want to get anywhere near the truth the truth is out there but you know as Fox Mulder found it wasn't always easy to find okay cool
0: so let's uh, wrap up the this first segment by getting maybe your last thoughts on the whole idea of uh using uh, ai as a personal tutor just as, as a quick thought or wrap up something for us to think about uh and maybe a message for teachers who are intending to do this well i think you know we we you know like, we, we've had discussions about fad and fashion and the conversation
1: yeah. we have about technology you know, if you go back 30 years online learning being the best thing since sliced bread well it isn't and is even good for your health anyway, you know, based on certain research about the impact of eating lots of grain and oats. <laughs> so, uh, But my point is really this now, that um, we are in a position now to use technology in a revolutionary way, in an interactive way that is available to everybody. It's not just the rich, you know, the rich with um, lots of resources now who can get, you um, private tutors every student who can access the internet um, will be able to get first-rate um, tutoring and I think that's I think that's really good so the challenge is as teachers, for teachers to recognise, look, they've got to put a shift in that. They've got to understand how to use this technology. They have got to be more pedagogically literate and more pedagogically competent. They've got to be good at metacognitive capability. They will need these item competencies that go beyond, well, I know geography and I know history or I know biology. They've got to be... Uh, it's a dual feature now. You need to know your subject domain, but you equally need to know the... Um, knowledge on how the mind and brain works. They've got to be current in evidence-based cognitive science and how to apply it, and a lot of deliberate practice to the student profile, the subjects they teach. So th- they've got to do this. So they don't do this. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the Terminator is
0: coming, and, you know, let's give Arnie a talk him Okay. So, you have been warned, the Terminator is coming. <laughs> if we don't do, make a change, if we don't really get with the program, well, you <laughs> you can't blame anybody but ourselves, I, I would suppose. Okay, so let's go on to my favorite part of the podcast where we talk about something that we have read, something that we may have come across, something that we may have watched. So, I'll let you go first then. Anything How you want to share with anyone? Funny actually, I, I can't
1: remember the full name of the tool, um, t- but um, a, a couple of hours ago, I was sh- uh, talking to a friend of mine, someone we did a podcast with, which was um, uh, Stuart Mills, who, yes. you know, is a national consultant. Anyway, he's in Jersey at the moment, and I did have breakfast with him, and he's got some interesting things that we could work with. And, like, I over to it And oh, sorry to butt in, but I hear you're talking about that. And, you know, I'm doing this, and she did give me the name, and I've got it on my notes here, and it's called Magic Something um, Org or, or whatever. But it's it's where. Um, someone has taken the Chat GPT tool and customised it specifically for teaching and learning. So uh, I can't remember the name of it. So what I can do is um, post this thing, because I don't want to go out of this programme now and and, uh, and go into my notes in in case I can't get back on this. So So, I'll let you have it. So there is this tool, apparently, that um, I specific customization of Chat for teaching and learning. So I'll send that and you could have a look at that. And I will have a look at it later as well. Yeah. And you can put that in the um in the show notes so uh, yep. that's kind of just weird that you know this person listening to it come and she was all apologetic and i said to her, no 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 i'm glad you come in and i said to her uh, and she's very good at technology apparently so yep. i gave her my business site and uh, i said um have a look and we'll meet up because um it's it, you know that's just good networking isn't it and that um, yep. so was very nice of her
0: to actually um to make contact okay perfect so uh, I'm going to share something I'll I'll go back to be a little bit more old school not an AI tool uh, but something that I came across as I was reading an article it's called AHA Slides now AHA Slides makes any presentation interactive with colourful eye-catching live polls quizzes word clouds brainstorming activities uh, and other interactives that gather real-time feedback to engage your students so, the premise is, let's say you already have a lot of PowerPoint or Google Slide presentations that you have actually used for years. You can now add interactivity by just importing one of these files into AHA Slides and putting the interactive elements between the content slides. Uh, it is free to use, but I think as you the number of users increases, as usual, you probably will need to pay. Uh, and together with Dennis's, uh application that you just talked about, which actually sounds very interesting, I would love to take a look at it. I'll put this uh, link also in the show notes. Okay. So, yeah, that's basically uh, the end of today's podcast. So, once again, if you have, uh, we would really uh, request that you uh, share this podcast with people whom you know, or if you would like to write to us, you can do so at evidence based creative teaching at gmail.com. Once again, it is evidence based creative teaching at gmail.com. So before we wrap it up, Dennis, what's the plan for the rest of the week?
1: Um, Let me have a think about this. I've got a few articles to write for the Jersey Evening Post. I think I've done about 28 or 30 now. It's kind of weird. I only started up with the intention of doing one, and that was what can Jersey learned from the Singapore education system and I'm now kind of um, I've done about 28 different articles in fact um, just finished the series actually the last one of a six part series on reframing education for better educational outcomes and episode column six it's it could call it episode six goes in this Thursday and then I'm doing a series on coaching teaching professionals then a series on mental health and well-being and Making sense of it and what can we do? And also, um, I mentioned to our uh, editor that I was going to co write a couple of papers with you on how we can use Chat GPT to um, create um, students who can use it as a personal tutor. So, kicking this podcast in kicks us in on that, doesn't it? Yep, perfect. Okay, I'm also going good. to watch the tennis as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, uh, and yeah. finally, uh, I'm taking up um, fishing again. The spear fishing proved too difficult. And um, so I'm going to take up rod and line fishing. And I <laughs> used chat GPT the other day to plan me a fishing trip in Thailand and Cambodia when I come over for the winter. So I'm actually going to do a fishing trip based on GTP um let's hope that by then they've got these locations and what fish I can catch and what baits I'm going to use and what are the best hotels to stay in
0: near the location and bounds beer so
1: we'll see how good it
0: is won't we yeah we will so it uh, looks sounds exciting so something to look forward to so until the next episode take care everyone and we'll talk to you soon so take care and goodbye and goodbye from me